Well, hello, Pastor Matt here. Just want to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in to this message. We here at New Life Baptist Church hope that in making these resources available to the public, that we'll help to edify the body of Christ at large, and that you personally will increase in your knowledge of God, leading to a deeper love for Him. Now, what you're about to listen to is a teaching lesson from our Wednesday night study series entitled, What is God Like? A Study of the Attributes of the Almighty. Well, I'm excited to, uh, we're, we're going to wrap up the third Omni tonight. I'm excited to study this with you all. I don't know about you, but certainly in my preparation of, of these studies, it has really just, man, given me such a view of who God is and what he's like, and has just really filled my heart with praise and with worship to him. And I hope it's having the same effect in your lives as well. So we're going to look at omniscience tonight. We're going to look at the fact that God is omniscient. Go ahead and turn to Psalm 147.5. We'll read this one together. This is a really good verse. Psalm 147.5. If you've never read through the Psalms, I encourage you to do that. There is so much. I mean, just really good praise. Whenever you don't know what to pray or how to worship God, turn to the Psalms and they will certainly lead you in the right direction. But Psalm 147.5, we're just going to read this real quick. It says, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Let's say a prayer. Omniscient God, we come before you tonight, Lord, and God, we're just humbled at the sight of who you are and what you're like, God. Lord, I pray that as we enter into this time of study, Lord, that we would do this with great reverence, with great care. Lord, that we would take time to really learn what you're like so that we can know you intimately, Lord. I pray that you use me tonight to communicate your truths to your people and that those truths would move from our minds to our hearts, resulting in a lifestyle of praise and worship that glorifies you, God. And I pray for these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So God is omniscient. That means that God is all-knowing. I told you that we have three omnis. We had omnipresent, we had omnipotent last week, and now we are on omniscient. It is the third of the omnis. And I just want to say as, a, as kind of an aside, um, these omnis, omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient, are going to serve us greatly. It's very important that we understand these as we move forward to look at the sovereignty of God because without really understanding that God is everywhere, God is all-powerful, and God is all-knowing, it will be very difficult for us to grasp the sovereignty of God. So as we look at this tonight, let's really take our, our, our time to really focus and, and try to understand and wrap our minds around 
the knowledge of God. Omniscient comes from two words. You already know the first one, omnis, which is all, and then scientia. You know that. I know you knew that already, though. Um, That one means knowledge. So omniscient literally means all knowledge, and we understand that to mean that God possesses all knowledge, that he is all-knowing. So that's just fun for trivia night if you want to write that one down. But let's look at our definition for the omniscience of God. What we mean when we say that God is omniscient, we're saying that God knows everything. And everything that he knows, he knows perfectly. And everything that he knows perfectly, he knows exhaustively. What does that mean? It means that God knows everything completely. He knows everything that there is to know. God possesses all knowledge in the entire universe. Everything that could possibly be known, whether it be possibilities or outcomes or circumstances or or mathematic equations, whatever it is, God possesses all knowledge and he has it perfectly. So he's not learning anything. No one has ever taught God something that he did not know. God possesses the entirety of knowledge and understanding. You'll remember from this past week, uh, past weekend on Sunday's message, we read in chapter 2, 1 through 5 of Colossians that it said that in Christ we find all the treasures of knowledge and wisdom. All of it. There is no knowledge that exists outside of what God knows. He has everything. All of it. He possesses it in its entirety. And there's nothing, whether past, present, or future, that God does not own. So that's our definition. Job 12.13, these are at the bottom of that, uh, of that definition. Job 12.13, with him are wisdom and might. To him belong counsel and understanding. In 1 Samuel 2.3 Hannah is praying, and she says of God, For the Lord is a God of knowledge. And then, of course, Psalm 147.5 that we read at the beginning, that his understanding is beyond measure. So, as we dive into this, um, we want to look at the totality of his knowledge. All of the things that God knows We're going to start off by talking about the fact that the Father, Son, and the Spirit share this trait. So you know the Holy Trinity. We have the Father, we have the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. And this is true with all of the attributes, but we're going to focus on this one, that all three persons of the Godhead contain perfect knowledge, and they contain it of one another. So here's what that means. It means that the Father knows the Son perfectly, and the Son knows the Father perfectly. It means the Spirit knows the Father perfectly, and the Father knows the Spirit perfectly. 
And lastly, the Spirit knows the Son perfectly, and the Spirit and the Son knows the Spirit perfectly. You can write these down. Matthew eleven twenty seven. This will help shine some light in regards to the Father knowing the Son. Jesus says, "All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son." And in regards to the Spirit knows the Father, 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. That's 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11. And lastly, in regards to the Son and the Spirit, John 16, 13 through 14. That's John 16, 13 through 14. He says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. The Spirit of truth, this is the Holy Spirit, knows everything about Jesus. And how many of you know that when you are born again, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, comes to dwell within you? And it's the Holy Spirit within you that says you are a child of God. It cries out, Abba, Father. If you are a child of God, you have that Spirit within you. You have that spirit, that all-knowing spirit that knows Jesus, that knows the Father. That's how you and I can come to know Jesus. That's how you and I can come to know the Father is because of the spirit of truth that Jesus alludes to in John 16. Because of the Holy Spirit, you and I can know them, not just merely hear words and facts about them, but you can know them personally. God possesses all knowledge that exists. He's not learning anything. He's not unsure of anything. He possesses all knowledge that exists, knowledge we aren't even aware of, and everything he knows, he knows it completely. You write this one down, Isaiah 40, 13 through 14. Isaiah 40, 13 through 14. Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord? Or as his counselor has informed him, with whom did he consult? And who gave him understanding? And who taught him in the path of justice? And taught him knowledge and informed him of the way of understanding? I just love when God brags on himself. It is just the most, like, man, those are the most powerful passages in Scripture to me. That was Isaiah 40, 13 through 14. Job 21, 22. Can anyone teach God knowledge? And the answer is, of course, no. That was Job 21, 22. God knows all that there is to know. There is no knowledge that exists outside of the brain, the mind of God. 
Now, by contrast, you and I are nothing like this. How many of you in here remember what you had for breakfast? Oh, come on, don't lie in the house of God now. How often do we forget that, though? What did I have for breakfast? Did I close the door? Oh, my goodness, I left the iron on. I think I left my wife at home. Don't do that one. We forget everything. And anything that we know, we had to learn. But God possesses all knowledge just by account of who he is. He's not learning new information. When he set out to create the heavens and the earth, nothing like this had existed before, but he didn't have to seek out a manual. He didn't have to ask for advice. He didn't have to create a committee to come up with ideas on how to build this earth. God possessed all that knowledge on his own. The DNA, the hairs on your head, God knew how to make all of this because he knows everything there is to know. And he's not learning. We have to learn, but God has never learned. Here are a couple of facts just about our world and about the condition of science today. Science cannot explain space. So we're going to have to get a little bit technical here, and this is above my pay grade. I don't really know exactly what I'm talking about, okay? But I read it from the NASA website. The, the NASA Science website has this article, so I didn't come up with this out of thin air. But what they were talking about is that scientists have believed that uh, the universe has been expanding because of the Big Bang. They say that the Big Bang happened, and so the universe has just been ever expanding and expanding and expanding. Well, scientists were theorizing that at some point, the universe, the, because of the density of the energy, that the universe would either have to implode on itself or gravity was going to stop and slow down the expansion. But what happened in 1998 is through the Hubble Space Telescope, they were observing some supernova super far away from Earth, and they discovered that not only were they completely wrong, but the universe was expanding faster. It was moving further and further away, faster and faster and faster. Now, how is that possible? The scientists were scratching their head. They couldn't explain it. They said there is something, there is some kind of force, there is some kind of energy that is pushing the universe to expand, and it's going faster. And they were so perplexed and so stumped by this that they gave it the very brilliant, well-thought-out name. They called it dark energy. Wow, I could have come up with that. That's, that's like, that's just what it is, obviously. It's dark energy. But they call it dark energy, and they say that 68% of space is made up of dark energy. That means that 68% of space they can't even look at or explain or have a clue what's even there. Mind you, this is our most brilliant minds. 
These are the smartest people that are gathering together on the face of the planet. 68%, yeah, I don't know, your guess is as good as mine. But that's not all. There's also a thing called dark matter. This is what they called the matter that holds everything together. Well, that's just dark matter. Brilliant, these scientists are. 27% of space is made up of dark matter. There again, they can't explain it. They don't really know what it is. They don't know how it works. It shouldn't work. It's actually against the laws of physics that these things happen the way that they do. But you know what? Let's give them credit. Because they know that 5% of space is made up of something that they can observe. 5%, that's pretty good. 5 out of 100. But God knows. Our scientists, our most brilliant minds are perplexed. They have no clue. But God made it all. He knows exactly what's there. He knows why it's happening. He knows how. He's the one sustaining it all. There's a man by the name of Roger Penrose. He's a famous mathematician. And he says, talking about the Big Bang theory, he says that it is so unlikely that it actually happened this way, that the universe was just created out of pure chance, like they say in the Big Bang Theory, that everything just kind of happened one day. He says it's so unlikely that the odds of this have actually have happened are 10 to the 10 to the 123rd power. I'd ask Gabby a hundred times, like, how do you even say that number? It is such a small fraction that he was saying that if you try to write all of the zeros on, of that number, you couldn't even fit them on all the atoms in the universe. You would run out. That's how tiny that probability is. What are they saying? I know that it's unlikely that the Big Bang happened, but, I mean, it can't be God. I know that it's basically impossible that this happened, but there's no way it was God. Take a stroll through the book of Job. We'll find out quickly that God designed all of this in the brilliance of his mind. And it has stumped our most brilliant minds, Nobel Peace Prize winners, our most genius People of this earth, Einstein, all of these men have been stumped and perplexed at the wonder of God's creation. And God knows all of it. He is the great physician. How many times do doctors say, yeah, I've just, there's, I don't know, I can't explain it. We don't know. With all of our technology, we don't know why this happened. We don't know why all of a sudden you're better. We don't know why this came up on the MRI. It's just, it just is. God knows. God knows all of it. This makes me call to mind Donald Rumsfeld several years back when there, there was that whole weapons of mass destruction debacle. 
he had this brilliant response to someone during a press conference. He said, you know, there are known knowns. That means that there are things that we know that we know. There are known unknowns. That is to say that there are some things we know we do not know. But there are also unknown unknowns. The ones that we don't even know that we don't know. That's a silly, astounding statement. But it is profound. Because there is so much in our world. There is so much about our life. There is so much about the world around us that we just don't know. But more than that, we don't even know that we don't know. With our tiny little brains, there's not a chance that we could ever grasp the infinite amount of knowledge that God has. How brilliant he is. Now let's look at three aspects of the totality of God's knowledge. So what we're going to look at is we want to see that God knows all that was, all that is, and all that is to come. So that's everything in the past, everything that is current, and everything that's in the future. This is how complete the knowledge of God is. So let's start with God knows all that was. This is looking backwards. God knows the past. He knows everything that has ever happened. Spouses, those of you who are married in here, you know your spouse ain't like that. You know your spouse doesn't remember, right? Your spouse is always forgetting everything. I know Gabby's favorite phrase at our home is, not like that. Because I'm always forgetting the ways that she wants, the ways that she has everything organized. I forget. But my excuse is, well, I'm just too busy thinking on things above, you know. Yeah, it doesn't work. But we always forget everything. God knows every detail of human history, of scientific history, of the world, of the universe. He knows everything. He remembers every last detail. Psalm 139.16, your eyes saw my unformed substance. God never forgets anything. He never has a hard time remembering he never gets the details foggy. He never misremembers something. He knows all that ever was. And God can remember all that was because he is from everlasting to everlasting. That is to say that he is eternal. He exists outside of time. That'll just bend your brain. God stands outside of time so he can see the past, he can see right now, and he can see what's coming. So, of course, it stands to reason that God remembers everything. There's nothing in the past. His hard drive is never full. God remembers everything. 
In Revelation 1.8, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. God remembers all because he is existent outside of time. See, you and I can only think of things in relation to time. That back in the past, last year, last week, or tomorrow, or earlier today, this is how we remember things, is according to when it happened in time. Well, this happened last year. This happened four years ago. We got married ten years ago. Um, In four years, we're going to do this. In next week, we're going here and there. But God does not exist inside of that time. He exists outside of it. So he calls the end from the beginning. He knows everything. There's nothing that has escaped his view. Most importantly, God remembers his covenants with his people. But he also remembers sins that have been committed. In Hosea 7-2, it says, They do not consider in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. How many times do we just kind of let a certain amount of time pass between that last big sin that we committed? Okay, well now it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. God doesn't remember anymore. That was, it's been 72 hours. Time has passed. God has forgotten. He doesn't see that anymore. But the terrifying reality is that he does. He remembers every last detail. He remembers how a week ago you made a promise. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to be better at this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. He remembers that. And he can see right now where you're at in relation to that promise. Well, God, I know that I did, but, you know, it was just so long ago that I forgot about it. And I, got, I just got so busy, and this happened, and this happened. God saw everything. He remembers every last detail. But not only does he remember them, he sees them right now. He sees everything. God knows all that currently is. He is omnipresent. So his eyes are in every place, seeing everything. And thus, he knows everything. Proverbs 15.3 says that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. God knows what's in our hearts. He sees our thoughts. He sees our motivations, our intentions, our deepest desires. God knows everything about you. They talk about our subconscious and how things happen in our subconscious that we're not aware of. God sees all of those things. God knows what's happening in the background of your mind. God knows the things that you're avoiding. God knows the things that you're currently struggling with. God knows how much you're just kind of putting him on the back burner. He sees it all. 
And this is why we can't come to God with bogus excuses. Because he knows. He knows that this morning, instead of taking the time to spend time in his presence, that there was 10 minutes on Instagram, 14 minutes watching SportsCenter, 12 minutes just staring at the ceiling. And before you know it, there was an hour and a half that passed. John Piper says that social media, the biggest thing that social media is impacting is that it's going to leave us with no excuse on Judgment Day for a lack of prayer. God will be able to see all of our time spent somewhere else because remember, he remembers everything. He's going to see all of that time wasted and wasted and wasted and wasted. And we're going to have to stand there and give an account for all of those seconds, those precious minutes. Church, whenever we become aware of this reality, it changes how we operate in our day-to-day. God sees God knows. We can't fool him. We can't cover things up in front of him. We can't lie to him. He knows everything, even your thoughts. How then should we conduct ourselves? Job 34.21 says, For his eyes are upon the ways of man. And he sees all his steps. Psalm 69.5 says, O God, you know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. And because he sees and knows everything, we can know that his judgments are sure. His judgments are accurate. His judgments are exactly right because he knows everything that you've done. He has seen all of it. So when God calls something sin, bet your last dollar that it is sin. When God convicts us of sin in our lives, you can know that it's real because he has seen everything. Let us not run from that. It's okay to... We're going to feel that conviction. If we're walking with Christ, if we're really in Christ, if we're really saved and born again, we're going to have those moments where God just kicks us in the mouth. And you know what? It hurts. But what God will always do is say, come back to me. I know what you have done, but come back to me. Whereas Satan's voice will say, look at what you did, run away. Run from him. He doesn't want anything to do with you. He sees everything that you've done, run away from him. But the Father's voice says, no, I I see what you've done, but come to me. Let me heal you. Let me cleanse you. Let me wash you pure again. 
Let me restore you. Church, when you hear that voice of conviction, run to the throne room of grace. Before we ever go to God in prayer, he already knows what we're going to say. Psalm 139.4 says, Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Church, sometimes, sometimes we go to prayer and we just don't know what to say because life is just pummeling us. And we're just getting eaten up and we're just getting beaten down. The mistake that we make is that we don't go to God during those times. We think that God does not see us. That's why we're suffering. And that's why things are hard. And that's why I'm going through this is because God's mad at me. Or God doesn't want anything to do with me. Or God has forgotten me. But it's those times where we need to go to God. And if all you can say is, God, you know do it. There certainly have been times in my own life where that's all I could muster up. God, you know what's going on. There's nothing even for me to ask for right now. You know what's going on. Just be with me, please. Be with me. Let me know you're here. And church, our Father is faithful. He won't leave you. But you got to go to him. Yes, he knows, but that does not eliminate our need to go to him in prayer. Because this God is inviting you into relationship with him. And all of you know that communication is critical in a relationship. How much more is it with God Almighty? He knows what's going on, but he wants you to come and cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. We can't expect the strength of God to rest on us if we don't go to God. He knows what you need. In Matthew 6, 7 through 8, The Father knows what you need before you ask Him. He's a good Father. But go to Him and ask Him. Go to Him and talk to Him. Go to Him. Lay it at His feet. Go to Him and fall at His feet. And the third, God knows all that is to come. Isaiah 42, 9. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Isaiah 46.10, There is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from the ancient times, Things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. He knows what tomorrow holds, for he holds tomorrow. He has written tomorrow. 
He knows every last detail of your tomorrow. Oftentimes we say, man, you know, this time last year, I never would have guessed that we would be here in this situation. God did. God knew. God knew exactly 10 years ago or four weeks ago or whatever time frame you want to add to it. God knew exactly. He already knows every word that you will ever utter, every thought you'll ever have, and every action that you will ever take. Most importantly, he knows who will spend eternity with him. He knows exactly how many names will be written in the Lamb's book of life. And he knows this because Revelation 13.8 shows us that the book was written before the foundations of the world. It's just like he says in Isaiah, before the beginning even began, I already called what the finish was going to be. I already said what was going to happen. I already declared the end from the very beginning. Only God Almighty can do that. He knows exactly how this will all end. So what do we take away from this tonight? First of all, the God who knows all that was promises to remember your sins no more. How crazy is that? Isaiah 43, 25, he says, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Oftentimes you'll think back in the painful memories of what you have done in the past, of the crimes that you've committed against God will come back and just crush you. You remember them. You feel the guilt and you feel the remorse. But you need to remember in those moments, God Almighty says that he has cast that away already. That's already been paid for. He paid for that on the cross. Yes, it still hurts because now we know what our sin costs. But let us not allow that to burden us. Let us not be burdened with a past that God has said, I will remember no more. I will remember this no more. I will wash you clean. In those moments, we need to take our eyes off of ourselves, not having a pity party, and instead put them on God and worship Him for saving you. Worship Him because He would have anything to do with someone like you. Let that bring praise forth from you. I believe it was Charles Spurgeon who says, Satan often remembers me what I've done and calls me a sinner, and I say, yes, what of it? God has saved me. God has saved sinners. Yes, I am. That is who I am, apart from Christ. But thanks be to God that I am now a child of God. Secondly, 
The God who knows all that is, is in no danger of forgetting his own children. Deuteronomy 7, 9. I want to read this one to you. He says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. What is he saying? A thousand generations? He's saying, I don't forget things. I'm faithful to my promises. And he upholds them with his mighty right hand. Charles Spurgeon says it this way, and it's perfect. I don't want to mess with it. He says, you may fear that the Lord has passed you by, but it is not so. He who counts the stars and calls them by their names is in no danger of forgetting his own children. He calls the stars by name, yet he knows you personally as though you were the only creature that he created. As though it were only you in this universe. That's how intimately he knows you. That is how detailed of information that he has of you. And that God is in no danger of forgetting you. Church, I know that there are so many times in life where it feels like it. There are so many times in our life where we look up to the sky and wonder, did you forget me? Where where are you? The psalmist cries out, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? answer is no. He sees where you're at. He knows what's going on. And what we need to do is trust him. Trust that he knows what he's doing. Scripture says that we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Faith in who? Faith in what? Faith in God Almighty. That He knows. He knows the past. He knows what's happening now. He knows what's to come. But most importantly, He knows the plan that He has made for this world. This is His show, by the way. All of this, the universe, time, all of creation, it all belongs to Him. It's His We're just the very blessed recipients of God Almighty's grace that he has invited us in to be a part of it. That he has graced you with the opportunity to know him as he knows you. Church, let us not yawn at that. Let us not let that just pass us by and say, well, you know, I mean, that's great. I got five minutes. Let us refocus and reorient our hearts to look at him. Let us know him, seek to know him as he knows us. 
And lastly, the God who knows all that is to come promises a future with him in heaven. 1 John 2.25 says that this is God's promise, eternal life. For those of us who are in Christ, cling to that. When life is heavy, even when life is good, know that no matter how good it gets here, it'll never be better than eternal life. Even if you gained all of the world, it would not be as good as it's going to be when we get to glory. But also remember that no matter how bad it gets down here, that even the sufferings of this world do not compare with the eternal joy that we're going to experience in heaven. And know that the God who knows all, he's the one who made this promise. He knows what it's going to take to get there. He knows what he was doing when he saved you. He knows that it will be him who causes you to persevere till the end. And this omniscient God will never forget his children. Let's stand. The God who knows all that is to come tells you not to be anxious. He holds the future in the palm of his hands. Though we may often be unsure of the future, let us find great comfort in that our God knows all that is to come. Let's pray. All-knowing God, how unsearchable are your ways, Lord. Your wisdom is high above us. We can't attain to it. Your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are not our thoughts, God. And yet, all that we have seen so far is but the outskirts of all that you are, Lord. God, I pray that through these studies, God, I pray that you do a work in all of our hearts, God, mine included. That we come to see you, God, and glorify you in the, the truth and then the reality of who you are, Lord. That when life throws all kinds of things at us, God, that we don't, we don't get thrown off course because we know who we trust in. And when the enemy brings lies to our ears saying that you have forgotten us, let us cling to this reality that our God is all-knowing. Now our God sees us where we are. Lord, I pray that you make this a reality in all of our lives. I pray that it result in worship for you, Lord. And I pray that through this, through our seeing how wonderful you are, Lord, that this will birth a desire to evangelize the world around us. 
not for the sense of morality and religious duty, not to invite them into a church, but to invite them to know the all-knowing God, the all-powerful God, the ever-present God. For you have made this way for us to know you, Lord, and I pray that this happen in our lives, God. Go with us, Lord. Keep us. I pray that you encourage all of the hearts of the people in here right now that are struggling with anything, God. Whatever pain and hurt there is in here, Lord, you know it. You see it. And I pray that you would heal those areas, God. Go with us, Lord. Help us to sense your nearness, Father. And I pray for these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Grace, peace, and mercy with you all.